and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 92. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hello! Today we'll be discussing the second half of part two of the Peacekeeper Wars. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of what we'll be discussing today. Aaron gives birth in the middle of a siege, and the crew realizes that they need to leave quickly before Akna kills them all. When they arrive back on Moya, Pilot has made the wormhole weapon for John to operate, and he decides to use it in order to force peace. As the black hole he creates eats all of the Scarran and Peacekeeper ships, the fate of the universe falls on Greza and Stalik to decide. Peace or the end of the galaxy? It's our last hour of Farscape, and we start at such a desperate hour indeed. So where we left our crew was on the water planet at the beginning of a Scarin and Chariot attack on the temple they're hiding in. They've got six Eidolons with them. We've got Bracca and a handful of Peacekeepers, and we've got Eren going into labor in the most dramatic labor scene probably ever seen on television because... It goes on and on and on, and there's guns blasting everywhere, and it is, like, literally the best thing ever, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) She has some, like, really classic lines in here, but as we remember, the poor Diagnosian that was treating her is now dead, and the baby is still breech, which, if you don't know what breech means, that is when the baby is upside down and trying to come out feet first, which babies are not supposed to do (laughs) and you can have breech babies safely but these are non-ideal situations for that because as you know from watching call the midwife you got to be really (laughs) careful with breech babies yes yes oh i miss chummy anyway (laughs) so they do call their new midwife which is chiana and this is my favorite bit in like the this is one of my favorite bits in the beginning of this episode Oh, our number's about to grow by one. Can you help, Aaron? The baby is breached. I can't birth a gnarl. I don't want a gnarl. I hate gnarls. I'm still a gnarl myself. You help Moya give birth. I blew out a wall in three tears. I concur. The baby's head is up. It has to be down. Don't make any structural changes. I'll be right back. Right, so they call Chiana over because she has she has helped someone else give birth before, and it was Moya, who, as you know, is a Leviathan ship, and her baby was a gunship, <laughs> and she had the baby shoot three <laughs> tears of the wall out. <laughs> I love my favorite. Oh, this is so much where she's like, I took out three tears, and then... <laughs> Oh my gosh. And Aaron's face throughout all this. So Aaron, all Aaron wants to do is shoot the bad guys. She is in pain. The baby's not sitting properly. She, they're going to have to turn the baby like with her on her stomach. And that's what the diagnosis was trying to do before he got off. And she has a great line a moment later where she's like, shooting makes me feel better when she's, when Chiana's <laughs> trying to help her and she's not being cooperative with it. Um, and, and the look that she gives Chiana after Chiana's like, I'm still a norm myself. <laughs> you know, she doesn't want to be there. <laughs> and, and Aaron is just like, why does she have to help? Anyway, it's pretty, pretty fantastic start to this part of the Peacekeeper Wars. So there's a lot going on in this battle. We have mm-hmm. the Charids and we have the Scarens coming in. At one point, they actually break through and they have to be repelled by people inside. And then there's a little bit of a lull. We have Stark has given the information that he had from Yondalau about how to make peace with their little peace purple thing um, to Moma, who is one of the Eidolons with them. And there's only four of them, though, and that's not going to be enough to make a big enough peace field to influence the people who are currently attacking them. I, we mentioned last episode, Naranti was with a larger group of Eidolons, so if they could reconnect with them, maybe they could do something. But they're not where our crew is in the temple. Yeah, so these are pretty dire circumstances, because even after they repel this initial Scarran attack, they're still surrounded by Scarans in a city controlled by Scarans, where Scarans have essentially killed everybody who is not Scarin. So this is bad news for everybody involved. Chiana finally gets Aaron to put down her gun by having John get Aaron put down her gun. And then Chiana is trying to get Aaron to get in the water, which is like one of the most hilarious things for me 
in this whole episode because it's one of the most memorable scenes from this entire miniseries is Aaron in the pool giving birth and Shanna keeps being like, it's cleaner, it's safer. And I'm like, um, yeah, if it's clean water, then potentially <laughs> it is safer than giving birth in like on the dirty floor. I'm like, if there's anything in that water, though, it is not at all safer because you could give an infection to yourself and the baby. Right. And on top of that, you have debris everywhere because the, the temple has been under attack. So you've probably got stuff, dirt and dust and everything falling from the building. You've got everybody jumping in there in their clothes and their boots. So whatever has been on the floor is going to get in the water, too. <laughs> but, you know, it's a water birth. They're trying to make it memorable. It's, you know, what does Chiana know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also the most exposed position, which Erin points out as she's like clutching her gun. She's like, she's mm-hmm. like, this is the most exposed position. So John takes her gun. He's firing on everybody, and then yeah. he gets Erin in the water. And Chiana's like, okay, I'm out. You know, <laughs> not just that. Chiana says, John, get over here, and says, I need Razlak. We need lots of lots of Razlak. And so he finds some on one of the dead people, probably one of the the Luxons or somebody, and he gives her the the skin of Razlak, and then Chiana drinks it. <laughs> yeah, Aaron goes to grab it, and Chiana's like grabs it first, and she just drinks it, and then she's like, that's what she says. You push, you pull. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, again, like, Chiana's only birthing experience was when she helped give birth to Talon, which was not really great for Moya. Kind of also in taking the stone. I think she was also, like, there for that birth. Yeah. I don't know if she was there for it, but she was definitely entranced by it and, and, you know, hanging out with the pregnant girl. But, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so so that's all kind of the drama happening with the baby. And on the other side, you have, well, once they repel the attack, um, we get back to the war side of things where we have one of the Luxon warriors die and, mm-hmm. and Dargo's with him. So, and, he, and, the, and Luxon says, you know, tell the Cleva that, you know, it's an honor to serve with him. And so we have our first, or, you know, first on-screen casualty of somebody who, you know, has a speaking role and, and is talking to us. And then we have Scorpius kind of taking command of all the remaining peacekeepers and basically giving tough love to the cowering troops on the ground. And he's also eyeing Sokozu while, mm-hmm. he, uh, while he shouts at everyone. And so they're stuck in this temple until Pilot can get Moya off the ground. Off the, off out Pilot, of the ocean. Out of the ocean, which was where they're stuck. And Moya has taken on water, so it's going to be like dawn. And it's going to be like at least an arn. I think uh, John asked somebody when Dawn is, and, and he finds out it's going to be an arm. So they're they're mm-hmm. stuck under siege until Pilot can get to them at the rendezvous point that they've established. Mm-hmm. And and I want to go back to Scorpius eyeing, eyeing Sakozu because up until now they've had Grunschlick under guard constantly. He's been under the gun. I want to point out a couple of things. Scorpius was the first one to identify Grunschlick as the potential traitor. Right. Mm -hmm. But now they kind of have evidence that it wasn't him because they've had their eye on him the whole time. And somebody told the Scarens where they were, because Mm -hmm. up until now, this had been not safe, but the Scarens hadn't known there was anybody there. And then all of a sudden, the Scarens are mounting this massive, massive attack on the temple. So Scorpius knows that somebody betrayed them and they know it wasn't Grenchlik. So Scorpius takes Sokozu, essentially he takes her out back and kind of Brock is giving them the side eye because it kind (laughs) of sounds like Scorpius wants to like go have sex with her, which is kind of how the scene starts, Mm -hmm. but it quickly changes into something else. I've never met a spy more resourceful nor tenacious. From their servitude! They will not. And you have ruined something unique. So it was Sukozu this whole time. 
And that long screen in the middle is when Scorpius has her, she's face down and he's digging something, I think out of her back or something, Mm -hmm. because it sounds like it's being torn from her body rather than from her clothing, which is that scare and comms device that she's been using to communicate with Akna this entire time. Mm -hmm. I think that Scorpius doesn't know as long as he lets her think that he has known because you know he makes it kind of sound like well i've known as long as we've you know been together kind of like you know you were servicing my desires kind of thing but at the same time you get the feeling of real betrayal from him especially that last line of you know you messed up something unique because she really did she messed up this kind of unique relationship that they were having with Braca, but you know like that they were having Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was wondering about that too, but I like that explanation that he's bluffing for her, you know, and that he only just now figured it out or only recently figured it out. And -hmm. I think that's a nice little note for Scorpius if that is the case of being like, you know, he is fallible too. Like he didn't see who the spy was. He he had good reason to think it could have been Grunchlick. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, if he did know earlier, what was the point of all that? Because that feels like, was he sabotaging you know, the peace effort with the Eidolons by basically not, you know, letting the Scarens get to them first. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the other option that. is that, you know, he was like on purpose. He, he was on purpose letting her report in their actions because that was backing John further and further and further into a corner. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it also risked his own life enough times and it also risked John's life. You know, like John can't make wormhole weapons if he's dead. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. this kind of continued pressure. And and also, I mean, to be honest, they were pretty close to dying in Stalik's care. So I don't understand. I think that turning them over to Stalik, I don't know, that that's, was kind of a dangerous play if if he didn't right. know that far back. Right. So, so, yeah. So then he comes back out into the main temple without Sokozu and Braca asks where she is. And, and Scorpius says she's doing her last mission for the for the Scarens and this is mm-hmm. all dramatic and everything. And I think that's actually the last time we see Sokozu when she's left. No, a uh, little bit of a jump ahead, but at the very end, Grunchlick <gasps> oh, right. has survived this kind of big uh, firefight. He's still tied up. He's been kind of like, you know, crawling worm style on his belly throughout this whole okay. temple. And then he crawls in the back and he runs into Sokozu, who is still alive and trapped, I think. Okay. And like a, her arm is kind of trapped, I think, in a in a piece of rock. Okay. So he doesn't actually kill her, which is kind of surprising. Scorpio mm-hmm. doesn't kill her. Yeah. Someone made a comment to us that I cut from the season four wrap, but which was essentially arguing that her her betrayal doesn't really make a lot of sense. The fact that she's a spy doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I don't know. I would kind of agree with that a little bit, if only because it was just revealed in the whole bad timing and, or sorry, not bad timing, but we're so screwed. We're so screwed that she was actually a spy and she had all these special byloid powers. And so I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't a hundred percent understand. Like if she was a spy, then potentially she would have initially been a spy on other Kalish. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's un- it's unclear because how she's presented in the Worso Scrooge trilogy is that she is a Kalish infiltrator, right? Mm-hmm. So she's the one that is supposed to be a deep infil, you know, be able to get anywhere and have these powers so that whenever she's amongst the Scarens, she can do resistance things. Mm-hmm. And then here that's turning around. I feel like the when she became a spy was after that in some sort of interstitial period between escaping with Scorpius mm-hmm. and, you know, getting to the point where where after the Worso Screw trilogy, that's when she made the decision that, you know, that didn't actually help her people. How can she help her people now? And that it was making a deal with Akna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. it just, it's I just, don't know. It is, it's, she's one of those characters that I feel like has been definitely used as, we need to do the X. All right, let's have Sokozu do X. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of how the like whole like, oh, she's secretly a spy feels to me is kind of like, well, somebody in their small little group needs to be a spy and it obviously can't be any of the people that we care about. So <laughs> it's got to yeah. be her because, yeah, I don't understand why somebody as smart as Sokozu would be like, sure, Akna's going to let my people be free if I <laughs> spy for her. Right, right. But who knows? And, you know, she went through this transformation with Scorpius very visually in her appearance, maybe she went through an internal change as well that 
lent her to wanting to do that. Yeah, that's I don't know. True. So Scorpius comes back in without Sokozu. The implication is that she's dead, but we find out she's not. Aaron begins to actually give birth um, mm-hmm. because before she'd just been kind of experiencing some contractions and they'd had to turn the baby. And she no. does not want to give birth without a very important thing happening. And so, oh, sorry. I also want to mention that John has this knife from Dargo that he borrowed. And he's like, I've got this knife. And she's like, great. I'll cut the baby out of me. And he's like, no, no, no. It's for your clothes and for the cord afterwards. And I'm like, she's wearing like skin tight leather pants. I think an easier solution would just be to take off her pants. But obviously this is like TV. So they can't do that. Right. Right. They have to have the, the modesty going on there. All right. Here we go. Erin is in the midst of labor, and this is what she wants to have happen first. I think it's time to push. You can. You can. Push. You're not helpless. I'm here. Come on. Push. No. Wait. What? Stark. Stark. Stark! Stark! Do you take your pain? I want you to marry us. What? What? No. No, Aaron. We can go to Vegas tomorrow. No! Marry us! Wait, wait, wait. What? No! Here. It was with the crystal. Kept it moist for you. It's my mom's ring. That's wonderful. You didn't think I'd go back into that cold ocean for nothing. Quick, quick. Come on. Rakuga, Ratuga, Ratina. Idiot. That's a Shayang prayer for the dead. Delvian puberty right! Okay, okay, you two love each other. Yes! Enough to be married forever. Yes! Then you are. Congratulations. after three tries (laughs) five if you count that apparently he tried to marry them with like a couple of death rites and a puberty (laughs) right yeah i can't say i'm a fan of of aaron slapping him after each of those but you know that whole a whole thing of like you know rigel coughing up the ring that he'd had in his stomach for all this time and being like i kept it moist for you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then getting Stark to actually, you know, talk them through it. And I just love that there's, there's like the three-line wedding. It's just perfect. And then, then it's done. And then Aaron can, with good conscience, have her baby. <laughs> I love, yeah, this is like one of those classic things that I don't remember a ton from from the la- from season four of Peacekeeper Wars, but I remember this scene completely vividly because it's mm-hmm. perfect. They're in yeah. this giant pool of water. She's about to give birth. Stark marries them because, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. And I just, I, yeah, I love this idea of Rigel being like, hey, I'm going to keep the ring. Like, if I'm doing all this work, I'm going <laughs> to at least get something out of it. <laughs> and then he repents and gives them the ring after all. Yeah, and then and then Aaron gives birth, and they have their baby, and John's the one delivering it, and it's underwater, and he, and then they had picked up some blankets, and they have this little little itty bitty baby who is definitely not a newborn, um, but you know TV. So yeah, there's a baby. There's a baby. Also, that happened really fast, by the way. Like, Dude, okay. <laughs> I have some. I, I want to. I think I'm going to hold my pregnancy thought until the very end of this episode because it comes up at the very end. But I'm like, this is so funny. Yeah, real quick. Well, because she pointed out to him earlier that apparently for peacekeeper births, she's like, if it had been a purebred peacekeeper, it would have happened faster. Yeah. Apparently it's supposed to be very fast. But because it's hybrid with human DNA, it's taking longer. And of course, John is not reassuring at all when he says it can take days on Earth, which, yeah. 
I got to be at my nephew's birth, <laughs> and it definitely it wasn't didn't take all day, but it was definitely many, many, many hours of painful birthing. And then also, my question here has always been, what about the afterbirth? You got to take care yes. of that. So I'm hand waving that that happened, like off screen like we didn't see it happen but they took care of it <laughs> no yeah because my immediate thought I was like but what about the placenta yeah. and then I'm like and then my husband turns to me and he's like he's like they've bred that out they don't have them anymore <laughs> that makes no sense <laughs> yeah and I'm like okay I mean it makes as much sense as like her body literally not going into complete shock after yeah, like it's true <laughs> after like this process of suddenly becoming pregnant um the other thing oh gosh yeah this whole scene is great and then like so she kind of like makes like a little um bjorn out of like a out of like her jacket i think because she's not no, wearing I think her jacket it, anymore i think it's cloaks from the eidolons i think it's because ah. jo- john when he went to talk to stark and uh and moma he was ended up picking up cloth to take back yeah. over so i think it's just off the dead so yeah so they have a boy by the way, I don't know if we mentioned that yet, but they have a mm-hmm. little boy. And um, Jothy makes contact with Dargo, saying he's got other Eidolons off with the... They've stolen a Scaran trans- troop transport, so he's met up with Noranti. And so they're kind of off. Um, and then we've got... They've repelled the current attack, and now they're like, what do we do now? Because they cannot withstand another attack like that. They've already lost Peacekeepers. They've lost some of the commandos, the Luxon commandos. Um, and so... Uh, Scorpius and and Dargo kind of agree like the best plan is to make a break for it and get to the rendezvous point mm-hmm. and I think enough time has passed that they're they're getting closer and closer to when pilot will be ready to meet them mm-hmm. so they make a break for it they're kind of this is one of those moments where like <laughs> Scarens have magical skin <laughs> that sometimes it's incredibly tough and it can't be hit and other times a single shot to the head and they're dead so yeah. and to like, be fair there's lots of charids out there that do not have magical skin so they're they're killing lots of charids too yeah but yeah there's a lot of that going on <laughs> so they all go out and it's so funny because everybody has two guns and they're all doing the like boom 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 and the funny I think the funniest part for me is that you can see that Ben Browder is like completely he's like <laughs> laughing at this idea of like doing like the two-hand gun thing because yeah because like, they're all like boom 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 and they're like just shooting up it's great it's like yeah. a classic like it's a classic like hey we have a baby now so we're gonna like bust out of here <laughs> yep and Aaron has a weapon too she's not definitely not going to be left behind with that so their their whole convoy makes it out Akna sets up an ambush for them, um, and the group kind of walks into it. They know something's not quite right, but then they get sprung, and they have to retreat into another building. Braca wants to go out and set up a crossfire, but then he gets shot, and Scorpius rescues him, and I just have to note that because I like the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Pilot's starting to make his move, and then Jothi comes to the rescue, actually, because he's gotten back to the where he had his his Luxon ship, you know, the super special Uber Lola so he basically comes and clears out the attack that's happening on them mm-hmm. from the air. But he's picked up more stragglers, so he doesn't have space in his spaceship to come pick them up. So they still have to make it to the rendezvous point mm-hmm. where Pilot's going to meet them. So they, they're they kind of sneaking out, and Aaron is staying behind with the, with the remaining peaceful Eidolons. And the rest of them are kind of going ahead a little bit to, like, clear the way, I guess, or to figure out where yeah, how I to get so. out. So then yeah. they, they meet up with like these last remaining stragglers that survived Jothi's attack and Dargo gets speared, but he manages to take the guy out. And then Gianna's fighting and John Gianna. is fighting. Mm-hmm. And, and then Akna is actually there. She grabs John and she has a gun to his head and oh no, what's going to happen? And then she gets shot because Aaron is there. And it's this great image of Aaron with her baby and the gun. And it's, you know, Violin is all get out, but it's Aaron's son. So you're like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Akna gets shot in the head and Aaron is like, it's a boy, by the way. <laughs> so good. But Dargo is speared through. He's been not looking good. It's not looking good. And he falls to his knees and Aaron looks at him and she comes over and... And this is this really long scene, and I was crying the entire time. Can you make it? Hurry up! Dago, hurry up! 
Just take your mess will be me. No way. Hey, we'll, we'll fix you up. We have to go. You'll be fine. Come on. Most guards will be here before Moyer is. I'll stay, you go. No. Yeah, this won't heal. It won't fix. It won't. all i got that's mm-hmm. like the most brutal character death in my entire life pretty much it's terrible <laughs> it's literally terrible yeah and like i've seen this show and i've seen the peacekeeper wars multiple times over and it still gets me every single time because they just do a hell of a job with it it's it's a fitting end it's a terrible end and it's Dargo to his core, and he, you know, mm-hmm. he has this moment of silent communication with Aaron when, when basically he says, "No, I'm not going to make it," and it's all wordless, and it's in his acting, it's in Anthony mm-hmm. Simcoe's acting, and you know, just remembering that he's <laughs> going through all these layers of makeup and prosthetics that are on his face for his costume, and it's just like it's amazing. It's just amazing to watch. And mm-hmm. they have to go because they got to get out of there. They're in a war zone. They got more Scarens coming. And then with Chiana, it's just heartbreaking. And with John, you know, the two of them, who would have thought seeing them in the season one that they would be here at the end? Mm-hmm. And I love that John's like, you're my best friend. And Dargo's like, you could have done better. And John's like, no, nowhere in the galaxy. You know, it's so touching. And then they have that moment of comedy, which is so John and Dargo. (laughs) I'm like, no, I want to talk to Chiana. You need to leave. (laughs) Yeah. And Chiana is just wrecked. Oh, it's terrible. Because, you know, she's left and she's broken a lot of hearts. But she loved Dargo and she's watching him die, Mm -hmm. you know? After they just hard. like, after they just also like, you know, she agreed to go to Hyneria with him and trying to start this new life, and it's just, uh and he, they, you know, they tell each other that they love each other, and she's just so heartbroken, and he gives her his quilted blade, and it's just, you know, he ha- she has to go, and mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So so Dargo is still alive when when they leave because he's got pulse rifles, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he's going to cover their retreat as they get to the rendezvous point with Pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. I think this scene is really hard. And I, on the one hand, if this had been part of a series, because that's, you know, ever since you mentioned that a couple episodes ago, I've been thinking about it. 
But I'm like, if this had been part of a series, then we would have had a chance to have multiple episodes of recovery from Darko's death. The same way we did with Zan's death, where, you know, we were reflecting on her death for a couple episodes after she died. But because this is a mini series, all we pretty much get is these like three minutes. You know, mm-hmm. this is how long this show has to give us for Darga's death. And it's hard. You it's know? really hard. Yeah. And we had a few more mentions later on, too, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but before we do, we have to get our crew off of the water world. Mm-hmm. So they go to the rendezvous point, which is this ledge in the upper left part of the city where Pilot and Moya can come up and scoop them up in the docking web. We we finally get a visual of the docking web, which I'd always just imagined <laughs> it as like an imaginary thing. And then we get and it's like an umbrella <laughs> thing. And I was like, oh, I think they've changed what the docking web is because I feel like I've seen with the docking web, like in the very first episode, the premiere, mm-hmm. it's just like you know, a box that is like a tractor beam kind of deal and is like not a physical thing, but like an electromagnetic thing or something. Yeah. But this time they made actual Olea web. So maybe there's like multiple docking webs for different purposes. That was what I (laughs) came away with because what they jump into is not big enough to grab a ship. (laughs) No, not at all. It was, and it also looks like a giant umbrella or something. It was kind of hilarious. I was like, I was like, oh, I like it better when the docking web was just this like imaginary thing. (laughs) But it does does give them the scoopy thing to jump into. So yeah, so they're all standing on this ledge. And like Rigel is holding the baby. He yeah. convinces Aaron to give him the baby because he's like, he's like, I'm going to be floating. The rest of you are going to be jumping off of a ledge. He's like, who do you want to have your baby? <laughs> like, and I love like Rigel is parent number three or first uncle or something because he's like super concerned about the baby. And I think like I, we didn't talk about it, but earlier on, he's he tells Aaron at one point, um, like he has my nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so they all jump and they get away and they're pulled back on moya and um not everything is still not okay (laughs) they get back and the scarens and the peacekeepers are still firing on each other braca's been shot when they get back onto moya aaron's like trying to take care of chiana because she's still in shell shock from from losing dargo Mm -hmm. um we have Jothi and the other Eidolons. They're in ships, but they're on the other side of the battlefield, like on the other side of the planet. So they're not even close enough to reunite to get MoMA in touch with them to do the mm-hmm. peace field thing. So they still don't have the Eidolon solution. Mm-hmm. So as they walk onto command, they're on command is the wormhole weapon. And there's kind of this moment where John's like, hey, I thought you weren't going to build this. And her pilot's like yeah well somebody talked me into it and Aaron kind of looks at him and she's like this is what you wanted like I thought this is what you wanted but now John has now that the Eidolon idea is like so much more real now that mom is like oh yeah if I just get enough of them together we could do it now John is like oh my back's no longer against the wall I don't want to use it but then they talk to Jothi and it turns out that Jothi is on the other side of the battlefield with the hundred. Right. And so there's no way of peace. So I want to play kind of the lead up to John's decision. And then, um, and then we can kind of talk through why he decides to do what he does. It's worse than you think. 
Is it worse than Darko being blown to pieces? Is it worse than our son dying? Is it worse than living with this? And at that point, John stands up and he goes to the wormhole contraption thing, which he has to stand in, and he tells Scorpius to come over, and then he makes Scorpius beg him to use the weapon. It's so good. It's really good. Because you can and tell it's... that like John knows what's coming next, and so he's making Scorpius beg so that Scorpius remembers that he begged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have Chiana distraught, and she's, you know, she's jammed the Qualta Blade, Dargo's Qualta Blade, into the table on command, and she's demanding that John destroy all the Scarens for killing him in vengeance, which, you know, I got a feel for the girl. I don't really blame her for that. And mm-hmm. I also think it's really kind of interesting, and, and, you know, Rigel's the one telling Chiana to back off, and even when she's, you know, you know, out of her mind with grief, he's like, yeah, you still care about us, you know, you're not going to actually hurt me, which I think is a really sweet touch for Rigel, especially with Rigel and Shiana. Yeah. They're they're pretty close. That was my reaction too, was I love, I love that they're still friends. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because there's this one of the friendships that's really lasted, you know, pretty much since they met and realized that they were two of a kind, Mm -hmm. you know, and just the way he's so confident in their friendship. And, you know, he says, I do think you care about me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, the realization that pilot has with Dargo's dead and that moment, Oh my God, that made me cry all over again. Like I was just bawling for like the last half of this. (laughs) Of, the, of this miniseries mm-hmm. and uh yeah because it's like dargo who has been basically captain and a rock for so many episodes and so much of season four and even before that you know he was one of the original mm-hmm. crew members and he's gone now and it's it's you can hear it in pilot's voice that he's devastated and in aaron's voice when she says yeah you know and she confirms it mm-hmm. and and then we get this moment with aaron and john of like all right this is make or break time. Mm-hmm. You know, what is worse? Is it worth it to use this terrible, terrible weapon? And, you know, the conclusion that they come to is, yeah, everything is so bad now. We are out of options. They don't see a way forward. And it seems like it's a very classic Farscape um, situation, right? Like it always mm-hmm. comes down to them having no other options. They have to use the nuclear option. They have to bomb, you know, the gamut base. You know, there's there's not that there's nothing else for it. And here mm-hmm. they they are too far away from the other Eidolons. They have to use this weapon. Yeah. If they want to get out of this alive. And I love that John is hesitant here. I love that John is kind of the one that's like, it's going to be worse than you imagine. And Aaron is the one that's coaxing him into it in the sense that she's like, I know that you don't feel like your back is against the wall right now because there's the potential of this Eidolon thing working out. But the reality is your back is against the wall. We need to do this. You know, mm-hmm. this needs to be done. Yeah. Well, I think even in this conversation, John is realizing that that the Eidolons are not a viable option given mm-hmm. their relative positions to each other. So, yeah, he's definitely, definitely coming around on that on that side of it. Yeah. So John gets in, he turns on the machine and he shoots a wormhole out in space. And at first it's very tiny. It's this teeny tiny little thing on the other side of the battlefield. And Scorpius gets pissed. And it is hilarious (laughs) because Scorpius is like, that's it. Are you joking with me? And he's like about to stomp off in a rage. Yeah. And then John's like, nah, just watch it, man. (laughs) Yeah. And what happens is blink and you miss it, says John. And the the wormhole, which starts out this little blue thing, and it's not like it's not like a wormhole wormhole, but that's he uses the energy from Moya to create it from Starburst, mm-hmm. and it's channeled through this thing. So I don't really know how it works, but um, he's created a singularity, mm-hmm. and it doubles, and then it doubles again. And he has mm-hmm. this line where he he opens up communications to everybody both the the Scarens and to the peacekeepers and at first he's super angry about it you know he calls mm-hmm. Stalik an iguana and he calls uh 
Braza a bitch, and you know he's like, "All right, here's the wormhole weapon everybody wanted. You better watch out. Stand down." Mm-hmm. And it's doubling, so it doubles its size periodically and on a mm-hmm. quick, pretty quick scale. And he uses the the penny analogy. If you double a penny, and you double that, and keep going, in, in twenty seven multiple you know 27 doublings you have a million dollars and that's what he says the exponential growth is going to happen with this the singularity and it starts doing it and at first stalik and grazer are like oh that's nothing they're like they're like scorpius dismissive of it and they're like Mm -hmm. keep firing keep firing but start retreating away from this thing because it's it's black in the center and it's got these angry orange whirls like a like a fiery uh hurricane or something in space and I, th- I began to realize that I think those are actually all of the destruction because like as it's, as it's growing, it starts eating planets and it starts eating ships. Mm-hmm. And so I began, I, I kind of wondered if maybe a lot of that fire at the edge wasn't actually just literally these two armadas being consumed. Mm-hmm. Well, I could definitely see it being like, you know, the sun is yellow and orange, but that kind of intense Mm-hmm. something something going on there but yeah i feel like that was not because of the destruction but part of the part of it that caused the destruction that was my take on it but it definitely does destroy everything yeah it starts eating the planet it starts eating these two armadas stalik and and Grace, at this point they can't back away anymore they can't move and they kind of are like he's bluffing he's not going to do this and finally everybody stops firing and John gets really, really mad. And Aaron is like, you know what? You do what you have to do. And mm-hmm. then we have this quote where he's talking to everybody at this point, And everybody at this point is pretty much just Graza's ship and Stalik's ship. Because the rest of the Armada has been completely consumed. Along with the planet, the water planet, which is in pieces around them. Here's how it lays out. Are you listening, Stalake? I am listening. Grazer? Yes. Wormhole weapons do not make peace. Wormhole weapons don't even make war. They make total destruction, annihilation, Armageddon. People make peace. Crichton, can you stop it? I don't know, Pat. Maybe it eats the whole galaxy. Monumental black hole. Giant swirling headstone marking the spot where we used to live and play and slaughter the innocent. This is insane, Crichton. God! Four years on, and you're finally getting that. You will not go through with this. I already have! I agree. You are weak. You will not sacrifice the woman and your offspring. Our son will be raised in peace. Amen. You hear that, you bastards? Wormhole doubles two more times. Moya goes first. 20 seconds later, you join us. Either way, this war is over. Peace. And I didn't get this part on the reco- on the on the quote because there's a long stretch of quiet in between as we watch this wormhole weapon, this black hole singularity grow and grow and destroy more things but Grace is the one who gives in first and she says for the sake of our children because she's mm-hmm. pregnant too i will agree to a, a, a peace treaty and then it takes a little while for stalik to also agree to the same but he does this is big big moment here of basically john is the one holding a gun to everybody else's head now mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting because Akna realized that John wasn't bluffing, but 
Stalik wasn't theirs. So Stalik doesn't know that when John says, we're going to do it my way, or I'm going to blow everything up, he 100% means it, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of who is with him. And I love Aaron's support here, where they're like, you're not going to do this. You're not going to, you know, kill your wife and child. And she's like, our our child is going to be raised in peace. She just saw one of her closest friends die. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that if they let this war continue and if they let them keep chasing, if they let the peacekeepers and the Scarans keep chasing them, that they will never have peace and that her son might be the next one that, yeah. you know, faces the consequences. Yeah. And it's, it is bigger than anyone imagined. And, you know, and that's the thing that John could never get across to everyone that, you know, as he says at the beginning of this quote, you know, the wormhole weapon is just doing what it was designed to do. Mm-hmm. It's basically an, a, a destruction thing. It doesn't care whose side you're on. It doesn't care about who's right and who's wrong and who's strong and who's weak. It's going to kill and eat everybody and everything in its way and mm-hmm. maybe make a new universe at the end of it. But it's going to take this universe out first because it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. And I love his point about that because he said, people, people make peace and you've mm-hmm. got to be the people to make this peace. And he leaves it up to them. You know, he's like, here's, here's the card I've played. Now you guys got to respond to it. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know. I'm sorry, but that's just <laughs> such a classic line where he's like, wormholes don't make peace. They don't mm-hmm. even make war really. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. You know, because it's it is this idea of of calling it a weapon is inaccurate. It's not a weapon. Mm -hmm. It's it's just this thing that's going to end everything. You know, it is the end. I think that maybe that's partially, you know, going back to last episode when Einstein asks him, you know, Einstein says time and John says ends. And this is the end that John is talking about, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And on a meta level, it's the end of Farscape, too. And mm-hmm. this is the culmination of, you know, the the overarching wormhole plot that we've had since season one. And mm-hmm. the whole reason Scorpius has been after John since season one. And this is where it all comes to a head. Mm-hmm. So, so, and yeah. I mean, John kind of calls Scorpius on it when, you know, Scorpius is like, this is crazy. And John's like, God, you're just realizing that. <laughs> what did yeah. you think I was saying every time I kept repeatedly saying yeah. And it's not just Scorpius, too. I mean, before this, we didn't talk about it very much, but he kind of goes off on, on Rigel when they first see what's going on and the destruction of the planet. And Rigel says, what have you done? He's, and he's like, I've done what everybody has asked me to do, which was, you know, have a wormhole weapon, make a wormhole weapon, John, make a wormhole weapon. And this is what you wanted. So everybody better shut up because I'm mm-hmm. doing what you wanted. And I don't care if you don't like the results. It's like, you know, better watch out what you wish for because no one had a concept of what a wormhole weapon would actually do and what it would mean. I mean, they got a little mm-hmm. bit of the taste of it in Daedalus Demands back in season three, but that was a fundamentally different kind of thing. It was mm-hmm. different from this one. So there's this whole range of of stuff you can do with wormholes. And that one, they, they shot a sun through a wormhole out of Dreadnought. And in this one, you know, they're basically created a black hole, which mm-hmm. you know, light doesn't escape from black holes. Every, you know, they're all stuck in this gravity well. The, the interesting thing I kind of had a pause on was I I vividly remember him going off on Rigel. But then now that I've rewatched this, I'm like, I don't think Rigel ever does ask him for a wormhole weapon. Like Rigel specifically. Chiana does. Aaron does. Scorpius mm-hmm. definitely does. I kind of yeah. felt bad. I was like, Rigel was actually the one character that didn't <laughs> ask you for a wormhole weapon. Yeah. I kind of, I noticed that too. And I feel like maybe we should just generalize it to Rigel is representative of all the people who have. Mm-hmm. And Rigel has certainly made demands of John to do things at a similar level in the past. I can't recall specifically if he ever does ask specifically about a wormhole weapon, but yeah, in this instance uh, it is definitely the others who are, who are more at fault here for asking him. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right that Rigel does just kind of represent you know, Stalik and Greza and everybody else that's been saying, give us wormholes, give us wormholes, give us wormholes, you know? So after Greza and Stalik agree to John's demands, he clarifies and he says, you agree that you're going to meet with the Eidolons and you're going to submit to whatever peace comes from that. And they both agree to it. So he gets back inside the weapon and he turns it off 
but at cost to himself because he collapses immediately after. And in the middle of it, Einstein is actually there and Einstein does what he said he was going to do. He removes all of the wormhole knowledge from John's head. Mm -hmm. Whether from stopping the wormhole weapon because it just blinks out or from Einstein doing, you know, messing with his mind, basically, by taking all this knowledge that he had, John collapses, his eyes are open, but he's catatonic. And you have this heartbreaking scene where Aaron is, is like screaming for help, screaming for him to wake up and just being completely distraught while she, well, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone is coming out of this uh, with John collapsing in front of them. Mm -hmm. So John is now in a coma Sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. His eyes are open, which is the yeah. weird thing to me. I can yeah. mean, like, hopefully somebody's, like, moisturizing his eyes. That's <laughs> driving me insane. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's out of it. Yeah, he's out of it. He's down for the count. And we see all of these follow-up moments to what happens. And the first is that Stalik and Greza, with MoMA there, they sign this peace treaty. And... Scorpius has like the creepiest smile on his face and at first he tries to smile at Greza and Greza is like dude no you are useless now like now that we're at peace with the Scarens I do not want to interact with you at all and then he kind of kind of tries to like look at Stalik to be like you know ha ha. ha." and then Stalik kind of looks at him like okay weirdo and they both kind of look away and it's this great a kind of hilarious moment of like rejection of Scorpius on a fundamental level. But he's so happy. He's got, it's, he's like the, it's like the cat got the canary smile. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's just so happy that he's got this, what he wants out of it. And I don't know where it's really coming from because, you know, he wanted to see the Scarens like decimated. Mm-hmm. And I guess he did with this battle, the wormhole weapon. He got to see the wormhole weapon, but I don't know. It's just, Scorpius is a weird dude sometimes and that really comes out in this last scene of his yeah I think it's an interesting contrast to his last scene in the actual series in bad timing where we kind of saw him at the top of his game there because you Mm -hmm. know he was back in command of a you know of a command carrier he had his two lovers it was (laughs) you know it was kind of like a highlight for him you know and this just kind of feels like even though he is satisfied with the outcome, he has also now been rejected by everybody. Right, but he doesn't seem very unhappy about the rejection. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just taking that to mean that he's going to spring Braca and they're going to go off and recover in peace for a little while somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so Stark also comes in. He says goodbye to John. He says he found his peace, and then he removes his mask, and we see that that area was all scabbed over. And mm-hmm. um, I have, a, okay, so I have a question about this for you. Sure. We know that the golden, like, light thing was actually part of who he was. It was part of being... Um, a Stykira. A Stykira. So does that mean that he just now has control back over his powers? Was, like, that, like, open wound thing actually representative of him not having control? Or does it mean that he no longer has his Stykira powers? I think it's it's more of a control thing and a and a peace um I won't say peace but you know he was a traumatized individual he was mm-hmm. a slave he was probably presumably grew up a slave he was a prisoner of the Scarens for many 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 long years and then mm-hmm. he was a prisoner of Scorpius for a couple of years where he was you know in the aurora chair getting his mind torn apart so I feel like you know, he is a being we know that is partly energy, partly corporeal. He straddles these two realms. And I think I think his finding inner peace and being able to to control it a little bit is what we're seeing. And we're seeing a lot of his trauma being soothed. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes partly as much from having carried the Eidolon's peace stuff Mm-hmm. Because that's the really where we had this remarked change in his in his temperament, and I think that kind of stuck with him, mm-hmm. like, even though he gave all the knowledge and the powers and everything over to MoMA, and I think that's where it really he was able to find something there that helped mm-hmm. him out. Oh, that's a good I don't point. Know. I don't know. I feel like it's mostly the show giving Stark a send off, mm-hmm. which is good, and you know, but yeah, how it all works is I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of how I read it, too, was that, you know, he still has his powers, but he is now able to control them and use them at will versus, you know, essentially having this open wound that he has to reveal every 
re-wound every single time he uses his powers. Right. Like, he could use them at will, but also, you know, they just had to pull his mask off and shove him in Yolandao's face to get him to use them without mm-hmm. him being in control of that situation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Chiana also gives Joffy Dargo's Qualta Blade, you mm-hmm. know, and she tells him that he would want, that Dargo wanted him to have it, which yeah. I think he did, but he also didn't know how to express that as he was dying. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of this really sad moment for them because, you know, Dargo and Jothi were just starting to get along again. You know, mm-hmm. they had this reunion. It was, you know, a bit turbulent, but they were they were getting there. You know, there was forgiveness in there. And then, you know, this is like the final bit of it, except Dargo's now dead. And all he has left to offer is his, his family's Qualta Blade, mm-hmm. which, if you remember, has been passed down for generations and generations mm-hmm. in his family. And uh, and then Shiana, of course, is still is still very just dis- upset. Uh, she's a lot calmer now, and she's still going to go to Hyneria with Rigel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where we we leave her. Harvey dies. Did you know the reference that he was making? I was trying to figure out if it was Citizen Kane or not, but I I, I don't know. Well, they didn't say Rosebud, so I don't think it was Citizen Kane. Yeah, he does <laughs> mention that he almost did Doctor Strangelove with. Yeah. Well, you we know, got Doctor Strange. We got Doctor Strangelove in when he was dressed up as Einstein. Mm-hmm. Um, with the chalkboard, there was a strange love moment when he does the like I can't my his arm goes up and he couldn't in the Hail Hitler motion mm-hmm. and he couldn't get rid of it. It was a there and you miss it kind of deal. Yeah. But he mentions that he almost did the the send off scene in Doctor Strange of where the guy goes down on the bomb and so Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then he decided to do this instead and then So he's in a a white room with like a bed that's like a double bed that's got quilts on it and it's I think it's really funny that the way that they show Harvey dying um is his leather suit is now like white leather and cracked it's no longer black <laughs> and so he's like graying out um and he's doing that he's dying because now that the wormhole information is no longer in John's head he serves no more purpose and he's been programmed to disintegrate himself mhm Aaron now says the lines also that We've been hearing throughout the throughout the episodes where, you know, the lines about, you know, if you there's peace, but if it's at the cost of you, it's not worth it. Three isn't a scary number. Those those sorts of things. It's really it's really touching. It's sad. Yeah, because she's she's sitting by um, John's bedside. And when Stark came and said goodbye to John, John was still catatonic and she was watching and Stark, you know, put a hand on her shoulder and she accepted it. And now here she is with the baby and uh, and. You know, John's still out of it and she's talking to them both or, you know, and the other thing she says here that is really, really interesting and touching is like, you know, I didn't understand what motherhood was until I had, you know, the baby and she likes it. You know, she loves it. She's she's got this new chapter of her life opening up that surprised her and she's ready for it now. And I think that's really a great place for Aaron. Mm -hmm. So she lays the baby next to him. And then she walks off and she stands in the doorway out of the way and she's just waiting and John wakes up and he turns over and he starts interacting with the baby. Yeah. And it's so cute. And it's just being like, oh, and he says hello and, and, and the baby starts to cry a little bit and he says, babies don't, you know, Crichtons don't cry or often and not, or not for long, which I hope he really doesn't believe that because babies really do need to cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all they do. <laughs> That's how they're communicating, John. Can't have microbes yet. And so he wakes up and then, you know, he asks where Aaron is and then she's she's watching and it's just, oh, it's just so lovely. It's really, really good. And then the last scene of the of this miniseries is they go up to the, the deck terrace. where you can, yeah, the terrace where they can see all of space. And um, they kind of do a little bit of a Lion King thing here. <laughs> here, let's just play it. That's it. Open your eyes. You see all these stars? They're yours. Except that one. That one's yours. All right. Let's do this. There you go. Come here, buddy. Your father and I want you to have a name that means 
and strength. So we have chosen Dargo, Soden Crichton. Little D, we don't know what life has in store for you, but whatever it is, you'll figure something out. But you will never walk alone. And God willing, you'll never know war. Instead, come here. Your mother was right. Your mother is always right. Get used to that. You ready? This is your playground. It's very Lion King, because he lifts him up <laughs> and, and shows him the stars. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Know where you ripped that from. But <laughs> it's so wonderful, though. They named him after Dargo, and I just, oh, it makes me so happy. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. And it also kind of shows that, you know, he's, you know, John is not naming him an Earth name. Aaron's not naming him a Peacekeeper name. You know, they're naming him after a dear friend. And I don't know, kind of, I like the multiculturalism of it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it brings it all together, right? So... Yeah. That's the end of the Peacekeeper Wars. Yeah. And the end of the series, people. Sorry, wow. no more. <laughs> We've been asked if we're going to do the extended universe, which is the comics, and neither one of us are super into that. So Yeah. I've read a few of them, but um, I haven't gotten into them as much as, as other ones. So yeah, we're going to call it quits on the Peacekeeper Wars. So we said we were going to save our rating until the end. And here we are at the end. So what would you give it? Um, I would give this like a 10 out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I love Me this. too. <laughs> I know that I know that there are issues in terms of the fact that a lot of these felt like they were supposed to be episodes. You know, it, it did mm-hmm. feel like they had some ideas for episodes and they're like, oh, OK, well, we just got to shove it in. But Honestly, I don't think you can beat that ending scene. You can't beat the culmination of the wormhole plot. You can't beat the emotional arcs. And as much as we're kind of we've been having issues with like the pregnancy, like the physicality of the pregnancy <laughs> stuff, all of the emotional stuff and all the actual stuff on screen, I love. Oh, and I'm going to make my pregnancy point now, which I forgot <laughs> to make, which is that how is it that Aaron gives birth even though she got pregnant like even though Greza was like pregnant before her in terms of like Greza was visibly pregnant before Aaron was visibly pregnant and then Aaron gives birth before her okay explain okay I have an explanation for that okay explanation of this is because uh Aaron was born into a battle unit as a grunt and so I'm guessing that Greza was not born into a battle unit as a grunt and was like bred for command or something. And so was like upper class or she came from the outside and didn't have the same genetic modifications that Aaron did as a grunt. Okay. I mean, I'm still <laughs> saying though, yeah, I mean, you hear what I'm saying though. <laughs> I know, but they can't actually get rid of, of the actor who plays uh, Greza, his <laughs> baby, because she is actually pregnant. Aaron is just has like a ba- fake like prosthetic baby belly for the actor Claudia Black to wear while she is pretend pregnant. <laughs> yeah, but I still say that like honestly, the trauma of like going from like of, of essentially giving birth within like two weeks of becoming <laughs> pregnant, I'm like that's super traumatic on your body. <laughs> it is. It is uh, giving birth for a normal human woman is like running a marathon apparently in terms of the trauma on your body anyway um sorry these are things we think about as women in our 30s <laughs> with lots of friends who have kids uh i would also give this mini series like a 10 out of 5 i love it to pieces and it's so good and it holds together really well actually and it stands up over time and they hit all the emotional beats perfectly i mean that's what really is farscape farscape is the emotional story of this crew and aaron and john and their love story and the story of wormholes and and this war that's happening and i think they make you feel that they they Mm -hmm. really bring it all together and yeah i would have rather had it as season five where these are the main arc points Mm-hmm. And and you have some of these stretched out over longer episodes. You have stuff in the middle that really adds depth to what's going on. 
But that said, like, it's a pretty awesome miniseries to wrap up the show with. And I'm really, really, really grateful to all the fans who did the Save Farscape campaign and uh, got it back on the air. Yeah, I think that I think you you hit all my points as well. It's just that it feels it feels really good. Do you know what I mean? Like this, I, I feel like it has a plot. It holds together. It has all the stuff we love. It has action, family, emotion. I think it's missing some comedy, but that's mostly just because of what they're dealing with. <laughs> it's short for them, but even so, they got comedy in there with Rigel. Mm-hmm. They got it in there with Stark. They got, even got it in there with Dargo. Mm-hmm. And Jothy being like, I don't remember him being like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is good. Okay. We are going to do a season or a series. Yeah. We're going to do a series wrap up next week. So join us for that. And that will be our last episode of Farscape Friday podcast. We've gotten some questions of what we're going to do next. And right now we haven't made any firm decisions, but we'll definitely drop something in this feed if we ever do move on and do something, either another show, which is unlikely or um, something else, some other project. Yeah. So take care out there, scapers, and we will see you next week for our last episode. We are Farscape Friday Podcast at Tumblr, Dreamwith, and gmail.com. If you'd like to send us anything, please hit us up. And we are at Farscape Friday on Twitter. See you later. Bye.